Hi, everybody. I'm Josh. And I'm Ethan. And this is The Young Perspective. So today, everybody, we are talking about Iran. And I know everybody's seen the news. Last week, a top Iranian nuclear scientist, Mohsan Fakhrizada, was killed. So we're going to be discussing that. Kind of pretty controversial. A lot of theories about who it could have been. It's very crazy stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So to start off, we're going to give a little bit of a timeline of the event. So Mohsan Fakhrizada was riding in a car back from a vacation weekend on a road in the town of Abzar, not far from Tehran. Um, so when he was driving, you know, his convoy of four cars made a right. They headed down the road, um, and then they came under fire from a truck. It, it, they fired a the bunch. It was like a huge turret that was firing. It was like quick, quick machine gun firing. All we know is that Mukhsan Fakhrizada was killed from that. So there are two real theories of what could have happened. The theories are it was that, that he was killed in the car. The bullets penetrated the, 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 car, the sides of the car, and he was killed there. Or another theory is a bomb went off under his vehicle, he got out of the vehicle, and then he was shot uh, by the machine gun. And interestingly enough, the machine gun that was shooting at the convoy was mounted on a Nissan pickup truck, but there was nobody in the pickup truck, and there was nobody firing the machine gun. It was an autonomous weapon um, done remotely from, from somewhere we don't know where. Right. And this kind of is very similar in some ways to the remote killing of General Qasem Soleimani in January this year. Both times this year, two top Iranian officials were killed by uh, some sort of remote killing. In this case, with uh, Fakhrizadeh, it was a drive-by shooting in a remote uh, pickup truck. And in Soleimani's case, it was a drone strike. Then also, another event, when there was an explosion at a centrifuge center, uh, have led up to a lot of different attacks against Iran this year. So to, to even add on to the craziness of it, right after Mohsan Fakhrizada was killed, the pickup truck, the Nissan pickup truck that, that carried the machine gun turret, it blew up. So whoever was controlling it, they decided to blow it up to destroy all the evidence. Um, and this is a whole new type of warfare where, you know, that truck could have been stationed there for hours or days or weeks. And, you know, been waiting for the right moment when, when you know, maybe they cha- Mohsan Fakhrizada's staff changed the route uh, which he drives. And one day, randomly, he was driving that route and, and the machine gun was able to fire uh, and get him on that day. And what's amazing is that maybe that day or they had planned that the truck was going to be there and Mohsan Fakhrizada didn't show up. There was no damage. Didn't cost them anything. They move it to a different location for the next day. It's so dispensable. It's cheap. Human lives could have been 10 miles or 100 miles or, you know, in different countries. It's a whole new type of warfare that's revolutionizing, I guess, assassinations. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's definitely taken a lot of people aback. A lot of people are thinking that this is bad, that this should not be how warfare is done. A lot of people are in support of this. But whether you agree or not with it, it's definitely looking like this is a new way that warfare will occur, less, at least in big assassinations, as Josh said. So yeah, we're going to try to get the human touch as far away as possible to keep as many people as possible safe. Um, anyway, so right after he was killed, or he was actually wounded on the side, 
Um, and according to one nu- Iranian news outlet, he severed his spinal cord. So immediately they took him to the hospital nearby, a local clinic. It wasn't that great. He was airlifted by helicopter to a, uh, a military hospital in Tehran where he died later that day. On Tuesday of this week, December 1st, he was held a military funeral with with military honors. Um, thousands, thousands and thousands of people were there. And a lot of top Iranian officials were saying how they were going to get vengeance for his killing. Ayatollah Khomeini described him as the country's prominent and, and distinguished nuclear and defense scientist. Ayatollah Khomeini's international affair advisor, Ali Akbar Valayatai, called Mohsen Fakhrizadi a great martyr and called for revenge after his killing. So the Iranians are not happy. They want vengeance. But the real question now becomes, who do they want vengeance from? Who was responsible for these attacks? Yeah. So the Iranian officials have said that they think it's Israel. They said that there's a lot of evidence that shows that it would be Israel. And a lot of other people, including some American officials, have said that they think it's Israel as well. Israel, including uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, have not made any comments about the killing. And so we don't know for sure who it was. But as I said earlier, a lot of people think it's Israel. One of the reasons they think that it was Israel is because in 2018, in April, Netanyahu was giving a speech about the nuclear weapons program in Iran. And in the speech, he said something. And we have a clip of that. Yeah, he actually mentioned Fakhrizadeh. So let's play it here. Work. This is how That's Dr. Fakhrizadeh, head of Project Ahmad, put it. Remember that name, Fakhrizadeh. Let's start that over again. Was to form new organizations to continue the work. This is how Dr. Muhsin Fakhizadeh, head of Project Ahmad, put it. Remember that name, Fakhizadeh. So that's a very discreet, you know, remember that name. It could relate to later in the speech when Netanyahu renames Fakhrizadeh. Um, he brings him up again, how he was the head of a, a new Iranian um, mil- uh, nuclear project called the head of the SPND. Or it could relate to other things. Maybe Fakhrizadeh was on Israel's radar for killing, for assassination, even back in 2018. What, what I definitely believe is that Israel and the United States have known about Fakhrizadeh for years. They've, he's been on the radar. He was the head of a nuclear program that poses a large threat to Israel, to America, to anybody in the West. Iranian, Iran is very dangerous to the West and to, to democratic ideals. So the America and other Western uh, intelligence agencies are going to try to identify who the heads of these organizations are that are posing a large threat. That's why America killed Qasem Soleimani in January. Right, he, he was head of the Iranian Quds Force, posing a large threat to, to American interests in the Middle East. Fakhrizada, helping develop military nuclear weapons in Iran, which could, you know, eventually be shot at Israel. It's, it's an interest of everybody in the West to have killed Fakhrizada, Israel, America. It could have been either of them. But a lot of people are saying that this was a rash decision, that this uh, could lead to a lot of fallout. Similarly to this, what they said when uh, Trump killed Soleimani, because they're saying that, you know, this could make a huge difference, especially when uh, Biden's coming in and he could try and uh, re-enter the Iran deal in a few months. And so that kind of brings up the topic of what's going to happen next? What are the outcomes of this killing and what's, what's going to uh, come from this? And so there are two main outcomes that can happen. First, Iran doesn't do much and they take away their weapons program and they take it further underground and they try and just uh, not really make the situation worse for them because their number one goal is to make their country last, make their, net, their weapons program last. 
and they don't want to upend their hopes of of lifting the sanctions that Mr. Trump has imposed on them because Biden's taking office in a few months and he can re-enter the Iran deal, which is good for them. And then the next outcome, the other outcome, is that Iran can retaliate against Israel and possibly the U.S. And in this scenario, Trump and Netanyahu would strike back in return, and that would leave Biden with a much bigger mess to deal with. And this makes returning to the Iran deal even harder for Biden when he gets into office. And so either way, it's very easy to see that whoever did this was trying to do this to stop Biden from entering the Iran deal. Personally, I don't think Iran is going to retaliate. It doesn't make sense for them. Biden is going into office. Iran, first of all, wants the aid, um, $100 billion, I think they're asking for, part of the, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action or the Iran deal, as we commonly know it. So they want money. They want sanctions lifted. Iran's economy is really struggling. The, the, uh, the value of the Iranian currency is way, way down. And these sanctions the U.S. have put on it for good reason, and uh, Israel's put on it, and a bunch of other countries have put on it, are really hurting Iran. So when Biden comes into office, Iran wants him to lift the sanctions, help build up their economy again. You know, maybe they'll follow the JCPOA. Chances are they won't follow it. So they're going to try to make sure that, that they get the money and that their sanctions are lifted. And the way to do that is not, not retaliating. And yeah, I agree with that, Josh. I do think that Iran obviously wants to turn to the Iran deal. It has a lot of great benefits for them and they want their sanctions to be lifted because they're in a terrible economic situation. And, and, so, and to add on to that, they want to make sure the regime survives, you know, right. and the way to do that, it's bringing them out of the economic situation. And they're so close to that goal because uh, Trump is at the very end of his presidency and Biden is on the way. And he's already said that he wants to re-enter the Iran deal. And so they are going, not going to retaliate. They're going to most likely just stay put and move their weapons program further underground and try to just get over this without making too much of a big deal out of it. And honestly, Biden will have to go into uh, his first term to have to, with dealing with this broken deal and these sanctions. And so basically, he's put in a very hard situation now that Trump has Trump or Netanyahu did this. Now that Fakhrizadi is dead, what happens to the Iranian nuclear program? You know, do, do they stop building nuclear weapons? Really, the answer is no. Even 10 years ago, during Project Ahmad, Maybe Fakhrizadi would have made a huge difference where it really would have stopped them in their tracks from developing nuclear weapons. But now they have other scientists, other smart people who are helping develop the program. What, it, what this killing really does to, to Iran is it makes people scared. This is an act of, you know, really terror. So other scientists are not going to want to step up to the position of leader of the nuclear program because they saw what happened to Fakhrizadi. They don't want to be killed and assassinated. It puts fear into the minds of, of everybody in the nuclear organization, and it, weak, it weakens the organization as a whole. So that's also good for, for Israel and America. So whether or not Biden likes that this occurred um, because you know it makes joining, rejoining the JCPOA harder, it still weakens the, the Iranian nuclear program to some degree because people are fearful uh, of being assassinated, and uh, people are generally you know, scared of the U.S. and Israel. Yeah, definitely. I think you put it perfectly when you said this was done out of an act of terror, because if the well-guarded head of the Iran nuclear program can be killed, so can any other scientist and so can, any other, so can any other official. And I think that in this killing, they've done a good job, whoever did this, in showing these scientists and officials that they're not safe. And so that could have some implications on slowing down the Iran nuclear program. So 
We are running out of time. I just want to conclude with some qualifiers. None of the information we've stated today is 100% true. You know, all of it is reports from different news a- agencies, reports, reports from the media. Iranian media outlets have, ha- have reported contradictory information. So nobody really knows who killed Fakhrizada. Nobody knows exactly how he was killed. All we can do is speculate. And we may never know, or we may not know for the next 30 or 40 years until the conflict between Iran and the West is resolved. So we just want to make sure that you understand, take, take everything with a grain of salt. And having said that, we want to thank all of you guys for listening. If you want to find us on Instagram, our Instagram handle is at the underscore young underscore perspective. And, uh, and actually, big news. I'm going to interrupt you there, Ethan. We just got a dona- domain name. So yes, uh, find us at theyoungperspective.net. We couldn't get .com. If you're the British guy who owns theyoungperspective.com, we'd be happy to buy it for you for like 20 bucks. But um, everybody go check out our new website. And one more thing, everybody. We want to mention that we wrote an article for a local Houston, that's where we live, we, local Houston newspaper called the West University Buzz. Um, you can just search up, you know, the Young Perspective, uh, bu- the buzz on, on Google, and you can find the article we wrote about podcasting, about why it's important to young people. So uh, go check it out, everybody. Thank you once again for listening. And remember, this was the Young Perspective.